the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. Hello and welcome to our reboot of Women in AV podcast. My name is Erica Carroll and today um, I'm joined by a few of my amazing peers, one of which my co-host Jennifer Goodyear. Hey Jennifer. Hello. So I'm going to toss it over to Jennifer to start introducing some of our guests today and then we're going to kick off an awesome conversation about mentorship. All right, awesome. So I'm going to just get right into it and ask the first question. So Sherry Beck, she is the Director of Learning and Development at AVISPL. And when we first were discussing that we wanted to talk about mentorship, she came straight to my mind right away. And I emailed her saying, hey, Sherry, is this something you would want to do with us? And she actually emailed back saying it's perfect timing because you were going through what, like 30, 40, 50 applications for mentorship at the time? And more. We're, we, yes. We, we're up to 127 for 2023, 127 applications. Wow. Uh, the program is designed for 50, so I'm currently weeding through those applications. Yes, very popular this year. Wow. So it is more popular than th- this year then, because that was going to be my question was, is are you seeing a more influx of people? Is it more people wanting to be mentors, people wanting mentorship? What's the change here? Great question. When uh, we ran the program last year, I had about 80 applications and I matched 65 and allowed 65 into the program. Interesting, uh, interestingly enough, when I was marketing the program for 2023, I crunched the data from 2022. Great metrics uh, for, the, for the women on the call here. The metrics were 17% female in the program, 83% male, which is right on target with the AVI-SPL demographic for female to men. So I was very pleased to see the women participating in the program as much as uh, the men. But more astounding than that, I pulled statistics on how many of those 65 participants last year were promoted and a resounding 38% moved their job titles from one role to the next. So I think when I marketed the program for 2023, there were several factors. I think that they were seeing, wow, my peers are in this program globally, representing every AVI SPL office around the globe, but they saw that there was movement uh, in, in promotions. Uh, I also sent out some testimonials from both mentees and mentors who had been in the program last year. Um, So I think that may have had something to do with the increase of applications for 2023. Um, When I look through the reasons, one of the questions on the applications that I ask is why do you want to be in a mentoring program? Just to make sure that we're all on the same page. I mean, resoundingly, It's for career development, and they want to learn from the experience of someone who's been in the AV industry possibly longer than they have. So I saw that again and again. So it's a great opportunity to be paired with someone um, to expand upon your AV experience with someone who has been through um, a lot of different projects, experiences in the AV industry. So so I think that's the the overall um, reason people are applying for the program. 
Yeah. That's incredible. So I, I'd like to jump in real quick and um, introduce Rita Leitenstorfer, um, very good friend of mine, president and CEO at Communi Communitronics. Um, thank you, Rita, for joining us today. Well, thank you, Erica, for inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. And Jennifer Davis. Um, Jennifer was uh, an amazing mentor for me early on with uh, Women in AV and um, with the Women's Council at Avixa. She was my co-host or my co-leader in Atlanta, and she has gone on to uh, many bigger and brighter things, including writing an amazing book, Well-Made Decisions. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. So I'd like to open that, that same conversation up to both of you. What have you seen in mentorship? I mean, we both heard that over 30%, what was it, 38% of applicants were, you know, moving in in their job title. Jennifer, what what is your take on that? Well, I, I think it's incredible. And uh, Sherry, congratulations on the good work that you're doing there within that program. One of the things that I would I would say is that if you find yourself at a company or in an environment that doesn't have a formal mentoring program, or even if they do, I would challenge you to think about that, um, to, to borrow a phrase from a, a friend and, and uh, author, a friend of mine, Eric Koster, who wrote Super Mentors, he, he had a provocative way of challenging people to think about owning their own career. And he said, you don't need a mentor, you need a project. And what he meant was, you need to have an excuse to reach out to people within your own organization or perhaps across the industry as a whole to invite them in, to pick their brain, to talk about something where they can actually help you advance it. And uh, in her book, uh, Unapolog Unapologetically Ambitious, um, Shelley Archambault talks about how she was part of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a formal mentoring program at IBM and she had written down somebody's name and as I want this person as my mentor and it got back through the ranks and that person reached out to her and said, don't put my name on that form. I'm already your mentor, write the name of somebody who isn't. And she changed her mindset to, oh, I already have mentors. I already have people that I can go to, to ask advice about something I'm working on. So if you, Put the emphasis on the thing that you're curious about, the thing that you're building, the idea that you have, the customer problem that you're helping to solve, then think about who to take that to for advice and counsel and to up-level the idea. You may find yourself adopting mentors and just inviting them into your sphere and making them part of your success. So... Um, Cheryl Sandberg wrote Lean In, and in it she has a chapter entitled Are You My Mentor, which uh, I think is a, a really interesting way to look at it. And um, it, she talks about how there's always been this perception of if you find a mentor, if you have a mentor, you will succeed. And it's actually the inverse, like what you're saying, right? If you do something, you have a project, if you go ahead and make a splash, a mentor will find you people will reach out to you and want to help you and want to help you advance. Now, I know the inverse of, of these sort of formal mentorship programs 
um, is not having that at all and having this organic relationship with somebody who becomes your mentor. And I know, Rita, you've been in the industry f for a long time and you didn't have that sort of formal program. Can you give us a little bit of insight on your experience when you were coming in? Who, who gave you guidance? How did you find your way? I mean, you're obviously, you've been immensely successful um, to this point. So can you give us a little insight on that? Well, back in the day, I did not, the mentors were not something that was talked about. Um, with that said, when I started working, so I'm second generation and I've known this has been my whole career has been in the AV industry. So with that said, um, I was hired as a production assistant. And when my dad decided to get rid of uh, the production department because he didn't want to spend the money to upgrade to Betacam. So I don't know if those are technologies that people are, that's back in the day. So with that said, um, I was pushed into sales, um, into a sales role and I had no idea. I had no experience in sales. So there was a gentleman by the name of Scott Share. Uh, he's an industry veteran, hopefully people know about him, and I'm still friends with him today. And if it wasn't for him, he gave me, he noticed that um, going into sales, I had no idea what I was doing. So he actually took me under his wing, and he showed me where I needed to start. He gave me my first opportunity for uh, a sales opportunity, and it was selling overhead um, LCD panel on top of an overhead and 64 grayscale. And that was like the big thing back then. And he actually walked me through the whole thing. And he just was, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here where I am today, honestly. He gave me that courage. He gave me the strength to get through it. When you go on your first sales experience, you have no idea what you're walking into. You can know the what how that product works from start to finish. But walking in there and you have 12 people looking at you, you have no idea what you're walking into, right? So it was, it was an experience and you learn from those experiences. And I was fortunate to have him with me along the way. So, um, so in my career that he was, he was, um, he was my rock for me there. I'm in sales, so I can also say it's one of those uh, parts of the industry that it's really nice to have a mentor because it can be so intimidating. And I think that as far as mentorship goes, sometimes we think that it has to be someone that's either been in your industry for way, way longer than you or who is much more your senior. And I don't necessarily think that's the case because for me being in my sales position, um, I haven't necessarily had a mentorship in sales, but Sherry, for example, she's been in the industry for five years. I've been in the industry for 11 years, but during the pandemic, she felt like a mentor for me. She helped me with a lot of things. We were in similar groups for things, and I was watching the way that she was organizing a lot of people. And now my role within my own company is kind of organizing people. And it makes me wonder if that has anything to do with it. And then Erica, we're the same age and she feels like a mentor in a way because she is the most organized person I've ever met in my entire life. And she is just so good at talking to people. And just because we're the same age doesn't mean I can't learn an incredible amount from her. Does anyone have any thoughts to add to that? I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, we try to 
label things. We even talk about reverse mentors, where maybe somebody who has decades of experience in an industry needs to learn about new technologies or new approaches or how a different demographic of buyer approaches the problem. So I think I think you're spot on. I, I think you're you're really looking for um, the expertise yeah. and the perspective, regardless of their age or their tenure or the like. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think the big key is awareness. So for a mentor to be aware or notice that that person is struggling or needs to be mentored. And that is a gift a lot of people don't have, really. You might have um, the skill set and the knowledge base, but being aware and noticing, like Scott noticed that I needed help and I was had no idea what I was doing, but he was there for me and noticed it. And um, it was that makes all the difference. I, I would also say that there's that adage that it's not what you know, but who you know. Oh, yeah. But actually, there's something that is even more true, and that is, it matters who knows you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. So you'll never be sought out as a mentor or a mentee unless people know what you're about, what expertise is in your head and the like. And so, you know, the fact that Eric and I got to know each other, you know, co- co-founding the Avixa chapter, like that was an active project that we worked on. And then we got to know each other in that context. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, can be fans of each other and that's informed by our experience and how many relationships do you have in the workplace that are like that that you know are not just what you know and who you know but who knows you and and ultimately that's what shifts a mentor into a sponsor Mm -hmm. somebody who will mention you in a room you're not in and brag about all the things that you know that's really the sweet spot to achieve. And that just comes from working together. Jennifer, I think that is how I got into mentoring uh, many years ago. Uh, It's who you know. Uh, VP of HR was a mentor in a formal mentoring program and had just accepted a a higher position. She reached out to me and said, hey, can you take over mentoring my mentee in this program? Because I don't have the bandwidth to do it. And of course I said, yes, having no idea what mentoring was even about at that time in my career. So, you know, off I go onto Google doing all the research on, on mentoring that I could because I, whatever it is, I want to be a good one. Um, but she trusted me to take on, on that role. Um, and then through the years, they asked me to redesign the entire mentoring program um, at the time, which I did. And then I realized here I am in a mentor role for so many years and I have never been a mentee. But at the time I was supporting a lot of um uh, vice presidents of customer operations. And I was meeting a lot with one in particular because I, I really appreciated her style and what she was bringing to the table. And I realized she could make a great mentor for me. And so I asked her, can we continue to meet informally on a monthly basis to talk about some of these, um, you know, other other topics and, and other initiatives um, specific to me and my development and my role in the organization? And she said yes. Uh, So that was my first informal uh, mentoring opportunity that I had and just incredibly valuable. But I never would have been involved in mentoring. Jennifer, like you said, it's who you know. That VP of HR knew me enough to know that I would be a good mentor. And that started my whole passion for mentoring way more than 15 years ago. That's really interesting that 
that you don't feel that you were a mentee early on in your career? Because I, I didn't realize it until years later that right. I was like, oh my gosh, this person was a huge mentor for me. And, you know, then you can go back and now you have this friendship and be like, just, you know, thank you. <laughs> we, we didn't use those words. We didn't use those words. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we, sure. we had managers, we had teachers, we had peers, you know, always there to support us. But that was the first recollection where those words came out of my mouth. Will you be my mentor? And um, sometimes that's all it takes. Well, of course, I already am. Right. Would be the response. I'd like to to hear a little bit more about when you were starting out, if you could be your own mentor. And I'll ask you, Sherry, first, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Well, first and foremost, and I think it's already been mentioned, I would seek out a formal mentoring program, whether it's within your organization, whether it's a, a local community. Um, I, I know here I live in Tampa, Florida. We have uh, Working Women of Tampa Bay. There's the Urban League. There's, of course, the Avixa uh, Women's Council. So, so there's formal mentoring programs out there. I would tell my 20-year-old self, get involved in one of those programs. Why? Because they have the resources. They're going to expose you to programs, potentially webinars, um, you know, the different members of that particular organization. They may even help find a mentor for you. Now, if you can't do that, or if that opportunity is not available, then it's back to my scenario. Then my 20-year-old self, I would say, don't be afraid to ask somebody to be your mentor informally, if not in a program. Um, there's just so much value um, so I would say understand what, what mentoring is and what it isn't. Understand the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. That's a big one. Um, and I, yeah. I would take advantage of the opportunity, again, either formally or informally um, for, for having a mentor or mentors. That's great advice. I don't think I've ever been in a formal program, so I don't know that I would give myself that same advice. Um, but I will say that the ability to not don't stop asking questions and letting people recognize that you have a voice and you have thoughts and you have things that you're working on in your own opinions. And I think that helps to draw more. I don't want to say draw more attention to you, but it certainly allows people to notice where you're coming from and how they can help you in the future. Yeah. So the 20 year old, uh, question, uh, what Rita, what, what would you ask? What would you tell your 20 year old self? Well, when I was 20, there were no Avixa or Infocom or anything like that. So I took the answer to that question is what would I do when I was 20, which was a while ago. So I would, um, try to respect who I am, uh, what I'm worth. Okay, what am, what am I worth? It's basically peeling back the layers and figuring out what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, and how can I take those and make my job better or advance my career? So I had to do that on my own versus having all of these resources that we have today. Um, and having the, uh, the challenges too, we grow from our challenges and understanding what those challenges are. And I know I face a lot of challenges in my career. So with that said, those only made me stronger. So I do believe my career and my position has molded me into the person I am today by myself because I did not have any formal training. Now I have, uh, as a president and CEO, I have had training uh, through Vistage, which is a CEO 
mentoring program, which was very beneficial to me. Um, I was going through, through some things and I had to back away for a little bit, but it was a great program. So I was able to bring home my skills in addition to to bring new, uh, new content uh, to the company and grow the company and organize it. So there are other organizations other than just VIXA and AV industry. Reach out to other mentorships to grow your skills in a different way too. That's great advice. Jennifer, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Find a finance mentor. Oh. Ooh. Covered a lot of ground that I totally agree with, so I'm going <laughs> to take it a little bit further. Remember that you work for a business, most likely, and no matter um, at the end of the day what your job is, it should translate to business outcomes and business results. So early in my career, um, I, I wish I would have leaned into that a bit more. And, and actually, to this day, I remember conversations I had with Steve Buhaley, who was Planar's CFO for many years, and he, he poured into me. He was one of those people that I look back and go, oh, he was a mentor. <laughs> um, and one of the things that he, that he taught me was uh, reading financial statements and understanding how the business makes money is almost like reading the scoreboard at a sporting event. If, you're a, if you can throw and you can run and you can you know, um, hit and you play third base uh, in a baseball team, you won't be a very good player unless you can read the scoreboard, no matter how, what a great athlete you are. And I think that is true of every, especially aspiring leader in a company, the more they understand how the actions that they take affect revenue growth and what customers perceive or affect cost and, and the eventual profitability of the business, that'll serve you very well. So find a, find a mentor in finance and frankly people don't seek them out enough so everybody will be delighted like if you walked into your cfo's office and said i would like to learn more about financial statements and how to read them and how my work relates to it trust me they will buy you a cup of coffee and spend time with you because um, they're not sought after enough for their expertise that's excellent advice <laughs> yeah it really is so thank you, ladies, for joining us today. Um, Sherry, would you like to give a closing statement? Uh, where can people reach you? Sure. Final statement. Um, I love all of this. My, my final piece of advice would be um, never be complacent, meaning you could be comfortable in your job and your role, but you never know what the future holds. Constantly be out there building your network, developing yourself, um, you know, finding the resources that can help you grow um, because the future is not guaranteed. So never be complacent. Um, finding a mentor should be on that list if you don't have one. Uh, best place to reach me on LinkedIn, of course, Sherry Beck, B-E-C-K, or sherry.beck at avispl.com. And thank you all. Thank you. Rita, how about you? Any closing statements and where can people find you? I appreciate the opportunity getting to know everyone and I wish I had more opportunities as formal opportunities on a mentorship. So I embrace uh, uh, everyone to find what their strengths are and find that person. It's not just about being a mentor. In my case, it was more about the friendship mentorship type relationship. So if you have that person 
that they understand who you are as a person and what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, embrace that person and they, you will learn from them as well as they will learn from you. And that's a perfect world. Um, so in regards to finding me, I am as well on LinkedIn, Rita Leitensdorfer, if you can spell it. it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my email is ritaL at communitronics.com. I welcome anybody to reach out. Thank you. How about yourself, Jennifer? Closing remarks, I would say is don't be afraid to do that reach out. Um, often the senior leaders in your organization, they might be very busy, but usually people come to them with challenges and problems and complex issues. And if you're coming to them asking for their advice on a particular project or um, wanting them to pour into to your career, chances are it may be the highlight of their day. So don't ever be afraid uh, to ask for that help and support. People can find me. I have the most common name ever. So Jennifer Davis uh, was taken on LinkedIn. So I'm Jennifer B. Davis on LinkedIn. And my email is jdavis at wellmadedecisions.com. And I have to add that we read Well Made Decisions last year. It is an incredible book and you can learn a ton from it. So definitely check it out. 100%. Thank you all. And thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer Goodger, I actually have one more question for you. What was your biggest oh. takeaway um, from this discussion? So that uh, entire financial talk to someone in finance, that was huge for me. 1,000%. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because you just don't, <laughs> you don't think to do that. And even when you go to, I've, I took, I think, microeconomics in college and a few other ones that were so boring. And even though they do, they try their hardest to teach you what finances are like in business. It's not, you don't learn what it's actually going to be like in business until you actually, I guess, go talk to those CFOs. And I work with so many, many different manufacturers that from so many different levels that that's going to be a big one for me is to go talk to the CFOs from possibly all of those manufacturers. <laughs> How about you, Erica? Yeah, I agree that the finance statement was huge for me and it sort of sparked an aha moment because it's taken me a long time in my career and I've really honed in on uh, training and education, but how customer education actually impacts the bottom line and the different parts of the business that it impacts. That's not something um, that I was ever formally taught. And even in my previous jobs, I was more of just an individual con contributor and I didn't really get the opportunity to see what we were actually impacting. And um, learning that earlier on would have been immensely helpful in my career. So, yes. so all right. <laughs> thank you everybody and yes thanks everyone so much for joining us you're all so busy and awesome women and we just are so grateful we really are we hope you'll have a wonderful day <laughs>